At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You mentioned he's talking on Thursday. Looking forward to that conversation. It's been a busy week all over the place for Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. On Tuesday, they were at Northwestern's Pro Day. Peter Skronsky, I think, was kind of the subject of a lot of conversation and speculation. Pat Fitzgerald kind of sparked <laughs> it himself, said the first thing he thought when he saw the Bears made the trade was Skronsky to the Bears because he grew up a Bears fan. He knows what he needs. Number nine. It would make sense. So, Dan, that's Tuesday with Skronsky in the mix. And then on Wednesday, we saw uh, pictures of Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles in Georgia at the pro day for the Georgia Bulldogs. Jalen Carter showed up nine pounds heavier than he was at the Combine, couldn't finish his individual drills. Somebody who already had a lot of questions surrounding his dependability, reliability, and character raised even more questions about that on Wednesday. Where do you think that's headed? And just, uh, if you could, summarize both days, Evanston, Athens, yeah. what the Bears got out of it. I never lose my mind over pro days. And if you remember a couple of years ago, Zach Wilson made everyone's jaw drop at a pro day. And it was like the talk for, for 10 days. Oh, look at this throw he made. All right, we saw how that turned out. So you kind of have to take a deep breath at pro days. That said, the Jalen Carter stuff today, given the, the turbulence of the month that, that Jalen Carter has had, was problematic. You know, he didn't look good. Then you watch the video of him going through some of the drills. And I, the first thing I said was, my God, if somebody gets him a copy of the, the, the Matt Eberflus uh, hits instructional video, Matt Eberflus is going to fall off his chair. He's going to go, oh my God, like, you know, I like grading loaves. There's more loaves in here to, to build a bread factory, for God's sakes. And so that is not a good sign for Jalen Carter. He's costing himself money this month. He's plummeting down the draft board. And, like, I, I understand that there's, like, this, this great intrigue because of where he was valued and how disruptive he can be and when he's at his best, you know, what that looks like. There's, there's you know, there's Hall of Fame level talent inside there. But holy God, man, there are a lot of question marks and it feels like week after week, another one comes into the mix and some team is going to have to wrap their brains around all of that and figure out when is the right time to roll those dice. Obviously, the Bears were there. Matt Eberflus was one of three coaches at the Georgia Pro Day. I think it was Mike Tomlin and Arthur Smith who came from just down the road were the other two. Um, the Georgia Bulldogs have about 27 other draft eligible prospects that are worth looking in on. So there, it, it was more than just, uh, you know, one guy that they were zeroing in on, but my God, David, I don't know how you feel about this. It just, it feels like there's so much homework to be done on this kid over the next seven weeks to even get yourself to a point of even considering it, even at number nine. I, I think that, as we said earlier, there's a different risk reward calculus at nine than there was at one or one, even nine. than there is at five. 
But when you're the Bears and you do espouse all these things about character and culture, and, and you hits, also and hustle, <laughs> yeah, and, and then you have somebody who is clearly out of shape or troubled or distracted or has all these things hanging over his head. I'm not quite sure that I'm not quite sure that it would make sense. But this got this got to play out. Um, he did not represent himself well today. The thing is, Dan, you got teams in front of you. You got the Lions at six that you wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be trying to accumulate talent. They might be in a position to take more risk because they haven't won in so long. So I do wonder, but it is something worth monitoring. I think it's almost like the profile for Peter Skronsky, local guy, Northwestern. The, the most critical thing you can say about him is he's got short arms, you know. And well, he, he's, uh, he's going to be somebody who is reliable and may be able to overcome that because of his intangibles. Jalen Carter may never be able to reach his potential because of his intangibles. And that contrast to me is pretty interesting. Back when I was covering college basketball, I had a, a, an NBA talent evaluator say that sometimes, you know, players get criticized and it sounds like criticism. But really, the, the fact of the matter is that the sports played at the highest level are freak shows. They're absolute freak shows. And guys with the greatest intangibles and the greatest talent, if they don't have that freak show element in terms of just like next level length or size or explosion or speed or whatever it is, they can wash by the wayside really quickly. And so I'm a believer in who Peter Skronsky is. The question for the Bears at number nine is, do you see him as a tackle? Because the talk on the league is like, you may have to bump him inside the guard because that arm length just isn't what you'd want it to be for a prototypical left tackle. And if you're going to move a guy into guard, do you really want to pick him at nine? And so those are the questions like internally in the draft meetings, as you go through all of the things that you go over on a prospect, you you have to stop there, you know, because we're not talking about round three. We're not talking about round four, where if you do have to kick a guy inside the guard, you go, okay, whatever. He can help us there. This is a top 10 pick, you know, and top 10 picks are, are, you know, to be a success with a top 10 pick, you want a guy who's an immediate impact starter and you know, projects as a multiple time pro bowler. That's what you get in the top 10 to be a success. And so that's a hard question. It's stupid. I get it. It's like, what can I do? My arm lengths are is 32 and a quarter or whatever Peters are. It's somewhere in that range, but it matters, you know? And, and and so the bears are going to have to decide how much it matters. Perfect segue because you wonder about these draft boards. You wonder about what teams value and you wonder if somebody who might be perfect for the bears might not be perfect for somebody else or the Lions might be ideal, uh, consider somebody ideal for their organization where the Bears would reject. (laughs) So Jimmy Johnson, who invented the draft chart, the value chart, and proudly still can talk about that, has a book out called Swagger, a perfectly titled book, Swagger, and it is his memoir. And he was on the Moline Haw Show on Tuesday. And he was asked by Molly and I, we talked to him about this very thing. You know, when you're looking at guys and you go into a draft based on need, based on the best player available, what is his general philosophy going back when he did it right for the Cowboys and certainly, you know, became the Hall of Fame executive and coach that he became? This is the way that conversation went. How aggressive would you be with that ninth pick? And we and I, I sat there with you. I mean, I know how aggressive you like to be with your picks and trades. You know, would you, would you be? Would you still be aggressive in moving up, moving down to get the guy you want? What's your thoughts there? Well, yeah, you know, teams have come down here over the years, and, and they ask me about you know about drafting, and you know, you know, a half a dozen of them said the best thing I ever told them was I would take three players 
in in every round that I really wanted them. I wanted they were my kind of guys. You know, they, they were players that are going to help our football team. Uh, you know, forget about this best player available bull crap. You know, I, I, you'll get players that are going to help your team. And so I would have I would have three players in every round, and you can figure out who's going to take you. You know, talk to the beat writers from other teams. You know, you can get the scuttle about who teams are looking for. And, you know, when it came close to our pick, you know, if you know, two, or, two or one of those players is available, I would take them. If they weren't, I would move out of the pick. You know, I didn't ever take the philosophy to take the best player available uh, because I wanted to take the best player available that I wanted. Certainly that was Dave Wanstead asking the questions and setting up the interview. Thank you to Coach <laughs> Wanstead for that. But, Dan, pretty fascinating against-the-grain thought Again, that was 30 years ago. Things have changed, but that's the way Jimmy Johnson did it. Well, I, li- I like it. I wrote down my kind of guys right? right? because that, that gives you a leg up. If they're your kind of guys and you know right away that, that you've got a chance to, to, to have the, the relationship start off on the right foot. I've had a rant for the last six or seven years about this whole, like, you got to take the, the best player available. You got to stay true to the board. You got to stay true to the board every year. We learn that the board is always wrong, right? Like it's not a cheat sheet. It's not an answer key. It's always wrong. Five years down the road, someone will take this board and they'll redraft it and it'll be completely different than it is now. So the board is wrong. So take your kind of guys. Take the guys that you know can fit into what you're doing. Take the guys that you have a connection with. Do those things. Like I think that like we've, we've overcomplicated it. The board is always wrong. I'm going to say this a million times before we get to the last weekend of April because it, it's true. It's wrong every single year. No rating system is ever been close to right when you look back on things five years down the road so like where jimmy's at the footnote to this david is i've got a 10u house league draft this saturday right the the the, the, i'm the assistant gm of the glenview royals for the 10u division and i wrote down my kind of guys and we're gonna have to reconfigure our draft board before we get to saturday so we get my kind of guys on the royals i can't imagine the egos are going to crush this week and those poor kids uh we've already taken some kids off the board because because of character concerns jimmy you're not my kind of guy billy sorry you either okay um that you know jimmy johnson i think what he's saying without necessarily putting in those terms my kind of guys means you know he he's following his instincts and it may tell him things that you cannot measure and every draft, and it's the oldest thing in sports, is that, you know, you'd show me you, – you see examples of players, and the Bears signed one this week in T.J. Edwards. They He joined the linebacker core with, full of Jack, with Jack Sanborn. These are things that guys – terrible measurables, but they're my kind of guys as somebody who likes defensive football, who likes hard-nosed football. So he's talking about that. Now, Jimmy also said that he wouldn't draft an offensive lineman or a wide receiver in the first round because those are the days – that he felt like, you know, you didn't, you couldn't get away with that. You could find those guys other places. It was maybe the modern day equivalent of running backs because of premium positions and the way that they valued things back in the early nineties. But it was fascinating to hear him talk about his philosophy. So while we had him on the air, of course, when Ryan Poles makes such a huge trade, one of the biggest trades in bears history gets DJ Moore and the draft picks from the Carolina Panthers who moved up. We had to ask Jimmy Johnson, what'd you think of the trade? I think, you know, really it can be beneficial for both Carolina and Chicago. And as I've said for years, uh, really, you know, getting a bunch of picks, you know, it's great. But, you know, a lot of teams have gotten picks over the years. Uh, back when Eric Dickerson was traded from the Rams, they got a ton of picks. Uh, RG3, uh, as far as Washington, when they traded for him, 
teams have gotten picks of the Cleveland Browns. You know, they've had number one picks forever. And, and so it's not the picks. It's what you do with the picks. And as long as Chicago is able to use those picks and pick the right players, it is a great trade for Chicago. Now, you know, by the same token, uh, you look at Carolina, you know, if, if they don't pick the right quarterback, you know, it's a bad trade for them. They've got to pick the right quarterback. So, you know, I, I think it can be beneficial for both teams. It just depends on how they use those picks. Pretty good analysis. No, I agree. And and you've heard me talk about that RG3 trade a lot because that was at the time it was like, oh, my God, look at the windfall that the Rams got back. This, this is going to help them build themselves into a, a perennial contender. And then it didn't. And so, like, Jimmy makes a great point of it's what you do with those picks. And you better have success with those. And, you know, there was folks trying to liken this deal to the Herschel Walker trade over the weekend and in, into the early parts of this week. And, and, and you're just like, no, no, we're not there. And, and so, like, look, like, I think Ryan polls did as as good as we could have expected with taking that number one pick and turning it into more assets now it's about turning those assets into things that actually help you win football games and that's an ongoing process it's going to take a while to do um yeah really good insight from from jimmy to that end and the other part of it the conversation we had he talked about offensive linemen now remember this is the time where there weren't as many limits on practice time as there are now. The CBA was differently structured, so teams' offensive lines could work more together. They could have more contact. Training camps were more physical, so you could work out kinks easier than you could today. So it came as little surprise that one of his favorite guys, and certainly Dave (laughs) Wanstead's best friend, Tony Wise, former offensive line coach for the Cowboys, for the Bears, and just an offensive line coaching legend, really, Uh, Tony Wise is somebody that Jimmy Johnson remembers being able to turn guys into players that many many people didn't think they could be. And his overall philosophy, because of Tony Wise's impact, what he could do with the typical offensive lineman and the role of the offensive line coach. And this is what he had to say. Howie Long and Michael Strahan get mad at me when I say this. Offensive line, that's the one position that the coach is more and more valuable than the players. And uh, because if you've got a great offensive line coach, which Tony Wise was, you know, he can develop some of those players. Just like taking Sebnowski. Sebnowski was a 245-pound guard. I said, Tony, can you make him into a center? He said, Coach, I can make him into a center. He had never played center before in his life. We moved him to center. He ended up being a pro bowler for us. And so the offensive line coach is a heck of a lot more important than taking an offensive lineman with a ninth pick. Wow. I, I, I have to tell you, that one I didn't expect because of just how much the reality, it seems like we're always saying talent prevails, talent prevails. But he's got examples, and certainly he <laughs> lived through it, and now he's got the Super Bowl rings to prove that he really, you know, that's a philosophy he believes in, and um, it came true for him.